we had this convoluted finish cooked up. And in the end, the dominant champion still won and it left a bad taste in everybody's mouth. God, that's unfortunate. But enough about Melbourne. Welcome to our WrestleMania review here on Motorsport 101. <laughs> Hi everybody, welcome to episode 431 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And Formula One was back on the docket again for round three of its championship at the Australian Grand Prix at Melbourne. I do like the Australian Grand Prix. I do like Melbourne. It's a round I do normally like very much. Oh boy. We got ourselves a good old-fashioned shit show, everybody. Um, It's... Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more during the actual main event segment itself, but if if there was any further evidence needed about the direction the sport is going in terms of race management, I present to you Exhibit D, Your Honor, because uh, this was a wild one, a, a historic race in F1 history. And I'll tell you the, the stats as to why it's a historic race later on, but the Aussie Grand Prix was won by Max Verstappen, and that was the least interest. That was the least interest, interesting part about that win. I can barely speak for a second there. But with me to break it down as ever, we have Mr. Cam Buckley. Hello, sir. Hi, everyone. You know, you know, I, I just want to know what was going through everyone's mind when they thought, you know, all the constant whining on social media about stewarding, all of the hashtags that that same fifteen set of accounts. Uh, they keep going through oh yeah they decided that how they were going to fix it was to pull a page out of nascar's book <laughs> oh, oh god. god i'm not entirely sure that was going to help appease anybody's thoughts and vibes on anything at the moment because uh boy um yeah uh this, this was a lot rj your initial thoughts as it was all going down um, thank you for having me on. Uh, like any pro wrestling podcaster, I crib all my thoughts and opinions from Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer. Um, <laughs> no, it's a serious question. And I know I'm like one of the few people that was like, I didn't mind Roman Reigns in the era where he was just like the worst thing in professional wrestling for a hot minute. But like, and I know Cody Rhodes is cool, and I respect the hell out of what he did to go independent, eventually help start his own company that is now WWE's make better. But, like, y'all cannot be this down bad for him. Like, yeah, it's a bad booking decision that he didn't. But, but like, I would have much preferred Sami Zayn in that spot in the main event on Sunday, if I'm honest. And, and I love the fact that he and Kevin Owens won the tag titles on Saturday. That is so fucking cool. My general vibe as a part-time wrestling fan, mostly because of my brother, who is a, still a full-time wrestling fan, and I had to hear about that finish at 4 a.m. on Monday morning because Ryan was staying up <laughs> watching WrestleMania. I'm not happy about this, Ryan, by the way, if you're listening, you little shit. But um, what I will say is, is that if you weren't going to drop it to Sami Zayn in Montreal, which was genuinely hyped as all hell, and you weren't going to drop it to Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania, which is normally your big storyline reset for something like WrestleMania. When is Roman Reigns going to drop this damn thing? And to who? Like, when? Like, this felt like a natural conclusion for the bloodline. The Usos lost, and then Reigns goes and wins anyway. Like, I just, I just, I, I find it very strange that that's the way they wanted to book that storyline, personally. But I hey, thought, it's, it, but hey, everything's going to be better because TRT replacement therapy, Clark Gable is back. That's right. Vince is back in charge. Oh. This shameless motherfucker with his, with his, with his fucking mustache. His fucking porn star from the 80s style mustache and the, the fact that now they're going to be under the same umbrella as the UFC, which felt inevitable, by the way, because I've said it for a while. Dana White is the greatest pro wrestling promoter of all time. Um, <laughs> and the amount that they were basically doing handshake deals with the, with the UFC at certain points over people like Brock Lesnar anyway. So, like, it kind of feels natural that they're all going to be under the Endeavor umbrella. 
but fuck me, Vince back is just so deflating, honestly. Almost yeah. as almost as deflating as the end of how this race felt. Yeah, yeah, because at, at the end, you know, when is Matt Verstappen gonna drop the belt? Good question. Um, I'll get back to you on that one. We'll get into some of that race. We'll get into whether Red Bull can actually run the table. Uh, we'll get into some beef, or should it be? Or, you know, it's, it's a little bit of beef. It's like it's it's like a, a, a slider of beef between uh, Lewis uh, Hamilton and uh, Fernando Alonso. Go it's going to be a White Castle order, but not like Harold and Kumar's. Oh no 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 no! That 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 that, that Munchie's order is uh, legendary. Um, and, and of course, we'll also talk about some underdogs because this was a bit of a chaotic race down the bottom of the field. More on that in a bit. Places you can find us real quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of the action. You can find us on Twitter uh, at motorsport underscore 101. Our personal handles are at RJ O'Connell at CBuckley917 and me at Dre underscore WTF1. You know it. You love it. Um, also, again, if you check out our website, motorsport101.com, I've been a very busy man um, pumping up race reviews for all of these, all the, of the weekend's action. Formula One, um, on this very race. If you want some extended thoughts from me, they'll be on there. And I've got a monthly column coming out on WTF1 regarding that as well. They've given me the keys to a monthly column. So look forward to uh, DRE, as I like to nickname it. Uh, the acronym stands for DRE's Regular Editorial. Ah, see, see what I did there? Uh, <laughs> clever. Um, so more on that soon as well. MotoGP on um, the Grand Prix in Argentina went up literally the night of re- recording this. Very proud of that one, actually. That was a, a, a one of the longest ones I've ever done the MotoGP, funnily enough. That was a lot to get into from that chaotic weekend. More on that in our next show uh, coming up as well. And IndyCar in Texas, which, oh, maybe the first 10 out of 10 race this season. We'll have to, we'll, we'll see how that plays out when I'm writing it up tomorrow. So check all of those out very, very soon. And if you like us that much, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101, five bucks, get you early access to all of our shows uh, before they go after the public. 10 bucks gets you all of that and support us by discord server. You can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded. I can, I can hold no longer. Let's get into the Australian Grand Prix. The record book will show Master Sappen won his 37th Formula One Grand Prix under a safety car. How we got there was anything but straightforward. Matt's was dominating the race comfortably until the second red flag of the race landed when Kevin Magnuson hit the outside of the turn two wall and his tire fell off. You're wondering, second red flag of the race? Ah, the first one happened when Alexander Albon crashed out of the top 10 that he had qualified and raced his way into on merit. That scattered out some barriers and gravel onto the racetrack and they decided to throw the red flag at the race. George Russell, who was leading at the time of this red flag, had just come into the pits, uh, and that elevated Verstappen into a position where it could easily pass Lewis Hamilton to retake the lead of the race. But we have a second red flag, and then we get a standing restart. And on that restart, we get three separate clashes. First, Carlos Sainz spinning out Fernando Alonso while he was running third at the back of the grid. Logan Sargent, the Floridaman, punting Nick DeVries off the road. And then, just as it cleared turn two, Pierre Gasly drifted off into his teammate Esteban Ocon, and they crashed into the concrete barrier. An immediate red flag was called the third one of the race, and after half of an hour of deliberating the running order, the race was finished under safety car, with Master Stappen winning from Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso on the podium in third. Lots of unpack here. You, you, you seem to have forgotten that Lance Stroll had one of the best crash avoidances I think I've seen in the last couple of years, to avoiding the Alpine crash, and apparently was so impressed and surprised with himself that he forgot to break for turn three and went flying off the road. It's like, oh, wow, I got out of that one. How did I do that? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, I can tell you what I thought of the finish of this race. Uh, but I want to hear it from you, Drake. What'd you make of this finish? Are you digging what Formula One's trying to do here as it blends more entertainment into its finish? I mean, we just got done talking about a series 
who which has kind of sports entertainment baked into it. Yeah, uh, sorry about that. My headphones popped off my head for a second there. Um, in shock of, of what RJ just said. Um, no, I was going to say, I mean, this was a historic race. This was the first F1 race ever to have three red flags in it. Yeah! We did, we did it for Dale? Question mark? I, I, I know. Like, I, I had to actually look this up. There is a Wikipedia list of all the red flags ever dropped in F1. There's a handful with two. Then, and even two red flags in a race is a rare race. This is a true unicorn. We've never had a free red flag race in F1 history. Um, and I find it ironic that in a race where Niels Wittich, the race director, was blatantly trying to add some artificial spice because the first red flag with Albon, I could understand that one. There, there was gravel yeah. across the entire width for the track. That that I can get. That I can understand. That's that reasonable. killed any organic excitement that this. Oh god, yeah. Because oh. Russell and Hamilton had gotten a great start. They yeah. were running first and second, and they probably just threw away the strategy. But ultimately, it wouldn't matter because George Russell's power unit decided to go pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it isn't. No, yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Kerbal Wallenlager. A, 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 a classic. The classic. classic. Um, it was um, England's 2021 Ashes colorized. Um, oh. But, <laughs> but um, basically, that one I could understand. The Kevin Magnuson crash is not a red flag in a month of Sundays. No chance. The tire was right by an escape road. A marshal has to literally extend his arm and he probably gets to that tire. And K-Mag had parked his car right by one of the escape roads as well. That is never a red flag in a month of Sundays. It, it was blatantly a move done by Wittich to try and get a dramatic finish. This was straight IndyCar. And I find it ironic that Despite the fact we had three red flags, despite the fact we had complete chaos and half an hour of deliberation as the FIA tried to work out, can we finish this? Do we need to finish this race under a safety car? Can we just call it now? How many laps did we actually complete? It took, it, it took us an hour to get through the last seven laps of this race. So from K-Max crash to the actual checker took an hour. It was a two and a half hour Grand Prix for um, because the red flag time doesn't count towards the overall two hour clock anymore. But it was a two and a half hour Grand Prix. It took an hour to complete the last seven laps. And for all of that, the race finished under a safety car anyway. After One another red flag, because obviously with... It nearly four separate major incidents, major offs. Obviously, they had to throw another red flag. I mean, four of those cars were beached. Yeah, like the Freeze and Sergeant were out. Obviously, Ocon and Gasly had crunched, um, and then Alonso had to spin his car back around again. Um, by the time it was all said, they had to throw another red. That was that third red was again understandable. But, gee, by that point, you've literally run out of racing laps because that was the penultimate lap anyway. So by the time you bunch the cars up again, um, you only, remember, you only go back a lap in F1 if the race cannot be restarted. So um, as a direct result of that, um, they ran out of laps. So they had to finish it under a safety car. And that was it. And Verstappen won under a safety car finish, which, by the way, I did some digging on this because I was like, is this really a huge problem? And I did some digging. Well, since since the safety car procedure that we know today was invented back in 1993, we have had 550 Grand Prix in that time. Literally, this was the 550th Grand Prix since 1993 started. The amount of races that have finished under a safety car in that time, drum roll, please. Wait for it. I'm not at a desk where I can drum roll. 11. 11, many. 11 out of 550. For those quick on the maths, you'll be able to quickly work out, if you can simplify fractions, that that is a 1 in 50 rate. Is this really an issue, F1? Really? Clearly, Clearly like, it is. Like, and the funny thing is, we've had two in the last year, because this is how 
Um, it's a sec- this is how Monza last year finished with Daniel Ricciardo's stricken car. We finished under under yellow, and that I pro- that was probably partly because Bert Maylander forgot where George Russell's forgot that Verstappen was race leader and not George Russell, um, and they ran out of laps trying to pick up the leader. Um, so they didn't have a choice to red flag it, and then the FI had to release a statement at the end of that race saying this is why we didn't pull out a red flag, and now we are deliberately throwing red flags out there to try and construct an artificial finish. (sighs) I don't inherently hate this, right? Like, I think there is, like, there, Cam. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I thought thought, thought you wouldn't interrupt me for a second. Sorry about that. I'm going to say that I don't think this is inherently a bad thing, right? I can understand to a degree why you'd want to finish a race under green. IndyCar's been doing it for years, and Mm -hmm. generally speaking, more often than not, it's fine. I don't have a major problem with it. But it does kind of breed a debate of, you tried this, and it blatantly didn't work. And I find it ironic to me, and and I'll I'll end my point on this, the red flag in, in motorsport is designed as the ultimate safety tool. It is designed to stop a race that is too dangerous to continue. Right? Correct. Correct. It doesn't sit right with me that this flag is now being used as a weapon to try and make a race more entertaining, ironically, by the standing restart rule, which you've had now for about half a decade in form. I can't remember the exact year it came. I think it, I want to say it was 2017 that they've brought in standing restarts, which, by the way, is the most dangerous thing about Formula One. There is nothing more dangerous about this sport than the standing restart, and it was purely brought in for entertainment purposes. Yeah. So we're stopping races with a red flag that are clearly too dangerous to continue, in your opinion, to replace it with a standing restart, which which is inherently more dangerous. What are we doing here? Um, we are making desperation plays to try and add some excitement to a season that, at the front, is probably not going to be all that exciting. Yeah, uh, let's be real. Verstappen had no problem getting past Lewis Hamilton. And we'll, every we'll talk Andre- about that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. But yeah, I mean, to kind of reiterate Dre's points that. The second the first red flag, I can understand it was borderline but I don't have a problem with them throwing it. You don't want cars tracking more gravel further down the road. It's going to take longer to clean up. But that second red flag just reeked of, oh God, someone please spice this up for us. I've just been, I've been visited by Nigel. (laughs) Nigel was just like, oh God, he can't win another one of these. He's going to win enough of them already. <laughs> I must interfere. Um <laughs> yeah. Um anyway. <clears throat> the I've lost my train of thought. Thanks, Nigel. So the first um, yeah, red yeah, flag yeah, was, yeah, the was second, necessary borderline. The second red flag it, and the differences in um in US motorsport or specifically in IndyCar, we do not get standings restarts. No. So we've we've never been yeah they're straight up not a thing. Um, NASCAR doesn't have standing restarts because th- this basically amounted to a green white checker scenario if you're familiar with NASCAR. Um, and desperate times call for desperate measures when half the grid are down bad for some points. Ferrari are down bad for a podium at all because they are a disgrace this season. Mm. Um, worst start to a season under this point system since since 2010. They're they're doing even worse than their 2014 vacuum cleaner car was. They're doing worse than 2020, Dre. <laughs> and in the second race of that one, uh, Charles ass packed Sebastian Vettel at turn two. Hey yo, <laughs> straight up landed on him. Mm. So, and. I feel like there is a general lack of respect that seems to be permeating across all of top tier professional motorsports right now, where I feel like the driving standards are kind of going out the window in all of them. And that last restart just, or the last proper restart, 
was just that bottled up into one corner complex. Carlos Sainz speared Fernando Alonso. Like his name was Gwyneth Paltrow, allegedly. Oh, my. Um, Logan Sargent just didn't break for turn one. Blew Nick DeVries up as if Nick DeVries' weekend wasn't already bad enough. Oof. Um, he is looking extra struggleicious at the stage of the season. And the Alpine, well. <laughs> Pierre Gasly is very, very lucky he's not facing a race ban next time. Dude, that's the other thing I want to dive into is that out of all of this, we have three very different decisions on how to handle these incidents. Carlos Sainz gets dropped from third to out of the points entirely because, well, yeah. to, to be fair, he, he absolutely did take uh, Fernando Alonso out. We're not debating that. But then, I guess the stewards made a business decision and said it is a bad look if Alpine does not have one of its star drivers for any indeterminate amount of time. And that's why I decided we're not giving Pierre Gasly any penalty points. We're going to take them at their word and say this is just a clumsy racing incident where nobody's at fault. And then with Logan Sargent, because that's at the back of the grid, they just didn't they didn't even pay attention to that. <laughs> nothing, nothing it investigated. It, it, don't tell me that they penalize on action rather than outcome when Gasly didn't get a penalty for that crash. Right. Because uh, that penalty, that penalty that was not given would have pushed him into a race ban. Yeah, there's no, no doubt about it. For those who are missing a little bit of context, because every show is somebody's first, Pierre Gasly was on 10 penalty points going into this race. Now eight. He gets yeah. a ban at 10. Uh, was it, was it, no, no, it's, no, it's 12 and he's on 10. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know he yeah. was two away, but yeah. it just felt like this was a business center. Like, we can't have them throwing out Jack Dewan and Baku. No, like it, so, yeah, like, like I said, Gasly was on 10. 12 gets you a race ban. General rule of thumb, a driver error um, on track gets you two penalty points. It depends on the severity of the incident. It's normally between one and three. That would definitely have been a two because that was a huge crash um, between them. Um, yeah, and that he, just, he just rejoined and just... Yeah. Didn't check his mirror drove. I mean, to an extent, he had nowhere else to go. Yeah. But they can't you, do that, man. You, you can't be doing that. No. And, um, and, and again, it's it it reeked of please someone else win this race, which is of course why that is the only restart of the three that we got that Max absolutely aced. Yep. Just but, barely in his grid box for what it was worth. A lot of people were very he was pushing his luck. He was, he was very legal. close. He was very close. He was legal. There is a transponder device in the car and a sensor on the grid box. If he was out of his box, we'd know about it very quickly. Um, they just made the boxes wider. Yeah. But it, it's, it's not so much that. It wasn't uh, like left to right, they made it wider. They, they increased the width of the box. 20 centimeters. Yeah. The question was whether um, he was too far forward. As long as your front tires are touching the white line, you're kosher. You're good. Yeah, you're fine. Um, um, just to clarify that, and, and just to clarify <laughs> as well, the it's a it's a rolling twelve month system on the super license points. Gazi doesn't start dropping them until the middle of May, so he's got a couple more races to go without doing any more stupid shit. He's got he's got to go through Baku and and Miami back to back after this. He has to go through break. the Baku the Baku sprint. Yeah, yeah, which which everyone loves, by the way, and they're really popular about it. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had to explain to one of our mates on our Discord server about this, and I said, look, generally speaking, if it's a teammate-related crash, the stewards tend to wave them off. Um, that's I don't understand why this is. Because um, I remember when Leclerc and Vela hit each other at Ferrari in Brazil, and there was no punishment dished out for either driver. They just tend to wave them off. Um, yep, and just like, the... You've already embarrassed yourself enough as it is. We don't want to put penalty points on top of you for that. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, they, same they, deal with uh, like Nico and Lewis in the good old days. Ricardo like, and Verstappen. Yeah. Baku. Oh God. Yeah. The uh, um, the French kiss. Um, oh my. <clears throat> but uh, you know, generally speaking, if it's a teammate incident, they wave them off. That's been a consistent approach from the stewards. I don't necessarily agree with it, but all I will say is that Gasly is a very, very lucky boy. Um, in in that sense, because if that was if he if he hits any other car instead of his own teammate, he's banned for Baku, and it's Jack Dewan making his F one debut in in three weeks time. So uh, Baku sprint at the Baku sprint. Good luck to him on that one. But my overall vibe on this is that 
This is not a new event. Formula One's been leaning this way for a couple of years now. If you remember Baku in 2021, we had a two-lap standing restart when Formula One could have easily just finished that race on the safety car. They could have even red flagged and called it. I don't think anybody would have complained, although Max would have been allowed to keep his win. So I'm not sure how well that would have gone down. Um, But they chose to do a two-lap standing restart. There was some knockback regarding that, but ultimately it led to a Vettel-Gasly podium, which I think a lot of people were too busy jumping up and down over over that to really be critical of the finish. We saw it in in, in Belgium later that year when, when Michael Massey used force majeure to try and break the four-hour rule in desperation to get a timed race off. Um, and we all know how Abu Dhabi finished. And even Monza last year, they had an option. They could have red flagged it. They chose not to. And people butted their heads over it. Whether whether it, I think there was a determinant clash between people that wanted the rules to be followed or a red flag to come out. And I think part of that was because Verstappen had dominated that race anyway. And it was one more shot for him to potentially lose off a bad restart or some shit like that. And of course, the urge of, you know, Abu Dhabi still ringing in the ears and wanting the, the race to be followed to the letter of the law. Don't but, you know well, that, the, well, that the red flag in this race is what a race director with actual values and integrity would have done? And, oh, no, it's all gone horribly wrong. Forget what well, I said. well here's the thing, and I will, I will die on this hill forever, that for those of you, and you know who you are, you know what hashtags you write every two hours on your Twitter pages. There is only one thing that F1 ruled towards in 2021 and since. Wasn't Lewis. Nope. Certainly wasn't Max. Absolutely not. Wasn't Jonathan Wheatley on the radio. Definitely not. Or Toto Wolf. It was the show. The show. And this gave us a show. It gave us an hour-long crash cleanup. Um multiple red flags and a general bad taste in everyone's mouth. I stayed up till three 30 to watch this. I want my time back. Look, I'll say <laughs> this: we stayed up so late on the East coast. It was so bad. Yeah. Trey, you, you were lucky. You just had to be up early for this. We got to stay late for this crap. Uh, I I had to tell Josh Ravel who I was doing my WTF one live show with directly after that. Like Josh, do you mind sticking around for another half hour? Um, like, and, <laughs> and we planned it. Well, we plan our Sunday shows. This is a bit of a behind the scenes WTF one uh, perspective for you for those guys who listen to us from across both channels. We plan the race review to be two and a half hours after the after the the race starts. It covers the two hour time limit plus half an hour. Like oh, no. Like, <laughs> we were on the nose because the Australian Grand Prix was two hours, 31 minutes <laughs> from start to finish. Like um, a glove. Like, I called that one perfectly, and we still have to knock it back half an hour because we deliberately leave it an extra 30 minutes in case any news drops after the race. Like, like in, for example, Jeddah only a month ago where Fernando Alonso had an extra time penalty added and then taken away again. We actually were able to cover ourselves because we'd put it off for an extra 30 minutes. This was a lot. Um, and yeah, like Cam alluded to, I completely agree with him. This is F1 trying to use the rule book to enhance the show. And I'm not sure how I feel about this because Formula One is trying very hard to improve the show. That's why the sprint exists. The whole idea of the sprint was that they felt like some race fans didn't have the attention span for a 90-minute race. So they thought, let's let's cut it down to a one-third distance sprint. They've, they've now used the red flag a lot more frequently than they did two years ago or three years ago to try and stop these races and get a finish on the green, which, don't get me wrong, the teams also all agreed to. The teams told Michael Massey when he was race director, we'd prefer a finish on the green. But that's another one of these bullshit handshake agreements we've been talking about. No more. No more. Trey, please. No more handshake agreements. Every series. Every time. we, I'm sick of talking about rules. I want to talk about cars going Zoom. And Every fucking episode of Motorsport 101 mm. is us embroiled in regulation talk because 
as soon as you go beyond the letter of the law and you start operating in the gray area, any time that rule comes under duress by a situation, it falls apart. Yeah, because the moment it's a you're going to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. It's a gentleman's agreement until someone doesn't want to be a gentleman anymore. (laughs) That you just summed up motorsport in a single sentence, Andre Harrison. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll collect my paycheck now. I'm here all week. Try the veal because that's how I feel about it. <laughs> it's the best in town. This is also kind of like, and I don't want to be like, oh, American influence is ruining Formula One. But this this is very much an American thing. A safety car finish is an extension of an American sporting cliche where a tie is like kissing your sister. The NFL is the only one of the big four sports leagues that allows for dr- tie games, draw matches. And that's only in the regular season. Baseball doesn't do it. Basketball doesn't do it. Hockey abolished it after the lockout. I remember there were riots when the MLB All-Star game finished in a tie. I remember when fans of Talladega Super Speedway pelted Jeff Gordon's car with beer cans after he had the audacity, the nerve, the sheer temerity to win a race behind the pace car. And also because he wasn't Dale Earnhardt's son. And not long after, <clears throat> that's how we had Green White Checkered, a.k.a. Overtime, being brought from the truck series and grassroots oval racing into the cup gear series. IndyCar doesn't do overtime, but they aren't abrupt throwing up rate late red flag in the races, even the Indianapolis 500 to try and ensure a competitive finish, especially lately. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, RJ, the IndyCar race that we are going to cover tomorrow at time of recording that finished under safety car. That's right. But it was such a good race that like, really, who's going to complain about that? And, and to that point, a lot like NASCAR's recent visit to Circuit of the Americas, where the final 11 laps took over an hour and a half to complete, and they also had to have a, add seven laps because of all the overtime attempts. That was an example of just how like trying to ensure green flag finish can actually take away as many amazing outcomes as it would under a safety car. Because, Drake, what's the most famous result in a single NASCAR race that you can think of? Uh, probably Dale finally winning the Daytona 500, and that was under a safety... Oh. Yep. yep. That was... Race back to the flag. A race back to the yellow and the white, not the checkered flag. Yep. Could you imagine if Dale Earnhardt blew it on a final green-white checkered restart? Oh, on the Daytona 500. Oh, dear God. Yeah, I mean. We're obsessed with it. it, And I think there's we're now starting to finally kind of push back a little and say, like, you know, actually, maybe it's not all that bad if we have tie games in the NHL. Maybe it's not all that bad if we finish a NASCAR race under safety car instead of this crap. Well, well, guys, here's the thing. Do you want to try and. you ha- you're you're trying to find the balance between getting an exciting finish and validating the rest of the race. Yeah. Thank goodness. And in Tyler this case, Tyler Reddick won that race at Coda on every restart because, like, damn. <laughs> because what you end up doing in scenarios like this is oftentimes in in trying to validate the finish. You're tr- you end up invalidating the entirety of the rest of the however along the distance was that you already ran. It, it's it's a lot like a it's a lot like a cycling race where someone breaks out from the peloton two kilometers from the end. It's like the it's it, all like Moto three where like let's be honest the first ninety percent of the race doesn't matter. It, it it often boils down to the final two laps and that's it. it. It's 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 it feels arbitrary to a degree and I don't like the way it's going and I don't like the fact that safety rules are being manipulated to try and enhance the show, which ultimately ended up with a more dangerous situation anyway. Everybody looked stupid. A poor fan actually got hurt on that K-Mag, on that K-Mag crash as well. A piece of debris went over the catchments and hit him in the arm. Poor yeah, guy. It's the shattered. Out of control track invasion after the race. And not like a fun track invasion, but just like, oh shit, these people are about to touch a car that has a live hybrid system. 
Yeah, the car was unsafe when Hulk, when Hulk had to jump out of it. They had to do an ERS jump because his car was not safe when they had to park it up and stop the car. Um, and there were fans on the track within a minute of that of that race finishing. You know, you know, we haven't even gotten into the fact that after the total clusterfuck of the four separate offs, we had a completely different uh, finishing order to the one that we actually got. Yeah, we got the chaos in the end. We and it didn't the, even count. Yeah, and then the lap was effectively revoked, um, unless you were Carlos Sainz, because, well, he still speared someone in the side pod. Yeah. The fact that the lap didn't count doesn't absolve him of driving into someone. But uh, we were so close. We were... We had the Nico Hulkenberg podium in our hands. He was fourth after that second red flag. And with the penalty with signs in front of him, he would have finished third. And he would have finished third. And they ended up rolling the results back to basically pre-red flag, except for all the cars that were crashed out, of course. Yeah. Um, and that is a judgment call where there is no real precedent for the FIA to go back on. Yeah, because it really is just kind of at their discretion whether they want to retain the post restart or pre restart uh, finishing quick, order. Yeah, yeah, quick explainer because um, yeah. again, it's it's a complicated rule. There was no timing loop that could be used um, to determine the order of the field because the race was effectively done after that turn one crash. So, like, there's a bunch of timing loops on on any F1 track we go to. We didn't pass one of them before the red flag was called. The whole field's got to go through it as well for it to count because you've got to determine the full order. Otherwise, what are we even bothering with? Yeah, because... Uh... It has to try to protest the result, saying, oh, well, you, you could have used a second safety car line. And then the FAA was like, well, you can't really because other drivers tried to gain that line like with Pierre Gasly locking up and then ending up on the grass after the fact. So the FAA was like, we're not going to use that line because we think people will take advantage of it. So the only reference point was the previous restart. Yeah, That's all they had, basically. Which means that that lap didn't happen unless you are an Alpine driver or Nick DeVries or Logan Sargent or Carlos Sainz. Sorry. Whoops. Like they did, like usually the precedent has been just like I don't know, but I'll, I'll rehash what I said in a, a roundtable discussion at racefans.net. This was far from the worst event that I've ever witnessed as a fan of Formula One in my what? lifetime. No competitor or marshal was gravely injured or worse. We had an injured spectator, but it looks like they'll be able to pull. It was not two laps of parading and a never-ending monsoon just to try and get and say we did a race. My family did not have to pay hundreds, if not thousands of miles to drive to Indianapolis to watch what ended up being a glorified Bridgestone sits car tire test for two hours. Yes. It's not that bad, but it wasn't good either. No. It wasn't good either. And uh, Kevin Magnuson, stop embarrassing yourself. That was a horrible crash. And that amazingly, the one amazing. of the... <laughs> Trey, <laughs> how was it turned? That? How? I, I, I've crashed in many places on many video games. I have never done that. I've never hit the outside wall of turn two at Albert Park. That is a, that is a unicorn. I, and you know what's the crazy thing about it? It's probably not even in the top three of most embarrassing crashes of the weekend if you were watching the juniors that, like this weekend. Roy Nissany did the same thing except further down the straight. He just crashed in a straight line putting two wheels on the grass. And then Enzo Fittipaldi spun coming out of pit lane and then wrecked his car and then tried to drive away from the wreckage and then ended up steering into the wall. Good God. Good God. What a weekend. And I don't mean that in no good way either. Um, but we fixed it all because Michael Massey is only a guest helping out the Supercars Championship, which, by the way, you couldn't watch if you were outside of Australia because of the Formula One broadcast rights and the way that they were for this weekend. Yay. Um, should we talk about Red Bull for a little bit first? Oh, God. Roman Reigns wins another title. No. Nice. <sighs> But Red Bull dominated on the day. Sergio Perez came from the back of the grid after qualifying mishap to finish in fifth. And of course, Matt Verstappen won. We talked about it earlier in this year, but Cam, now that you've seen the first three races, you feel more or less certain 
Red Bull can win every race this season. Ooh. It's weird to think that I picked them to win 18 races on the year and I may have lowballed it. I think we all may have lowballed it. Also, uh, Alonzo on our preseason prediction has already hit his quota of podiums. Well he done. Over, baby. Three. <laughs> Three in a Dr- row. You are not allowed to discuss this, Mr. Zero Podiums. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong, but fuck off. <laughs> um, here, here, here's the thing, Skip. It is going to need to take something big to stop Red Bull from running the table. Now, it has happened before. Get into that later. But the the sheer well of pace they can access at will is insurmountable. I mean, between the corner, it's faster than everyone everywhere at this point. Um, I mean, Max dropped down to third on the start. Do you realize how dominant a car has to be? That Max was conservative on the first lap. It's just like, yeah, pass me. I'll just get you later. Yeah, he backed out of it. I'm, I'm he, he actually he actually put himself in danger a little bit, Dre, because he he yeah. broke really conservatively for T three. Yeah. And uh, Lewis gave him the old Hamilton squeeze off the track, which that was very cute that Max was complaining about being pushed off track. Max Verstappen complaining about very being cute. pushed off track. It is it is snowing in hell. Ugh, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Trey, would you like some numbers? I, I I love me some numbers. Spill. Um, well, after the first red flag restart, Max Verstappen spent a lap and a half drilling Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, you know? Lewis Hamilton ran out of ERS. Would you like to know the speed differential when Max went by? Go on. Lewis Hamilton was doing 289 kilometers per hour. That's pretty fast. Verstappen was doing 325. (laughs) That's a 20 mile an hour difference, roughly. He drove by him like it was Lewis's engine that failed. Oh, God almighty. (laughs) They can strip more wing off the car without losing corner speed. They have the most effective DRS in the business. And Honda's ERS is completely busted in race trim. It's it's not something that really manifests in qualifying because you can charge your battery when you go for a fast lap. But when what Honda's ERS can do is it can maintain that 160 horsepower buff for way longer than any other car. And Max just drove up behind him and just ran him out of ERS. So when he was going by, he didn't have a couple more horsepower. He had over 160 more horsepower and that is just insurmountable there's nothing you can do about that nope undefendable yeah i mean mean, he drove by and all you could do is laugh really i did i literally did but when when verstappen passed hamilton i was like oh come on that car's a cheat code i I just laughed i was like wow this is over um forget it Mm. And, and i mean where i laughed is that max had one big push lap in this race which i think was about lap 12 he kicked the field's teeth in by 1.1 seconds on that lap. It's just ridiculous. It's stupid. I, I mean, he pulled a 10-second gap and went off later, which is very funny to watch. Um, and he wasn't even pushing. He had a half a second whenever he wanted it that he could just dive into. Yeah, it was like whenever he felt like it, boom, half a second. Take a take. take Charge the battery, bang! Another half second. Charge the battery for a bit, bang! Another half second. It's just, it, it, it's. He was in complete control of that race. Com- the, the the timing screen won't show it because it will only obviously even that the peak of the gap was only about ten seconds. But just the the amount of control and manipulation. Hamilton was had to drive hard because Fernando Alonso was behind him the whole way, like a bad rash. And Verstappen just could set purple laps whenever he wanted. It was just, it was just complete control and dominance. Um, it's gonna take something very special to beat these guys on merit. Because, and I don't think it will happen on merit this year because they're too good. And look, let's put it this way: Sergio Perez went from twentieth to fifth on the day, and I was critical of his performance because he, it took him <laughs> like six laps to get past Lando Norris. 
Yeah, Lando Norris, who is driving a fucking sled. By the way, McLaren, points. They're oh, on the board. I want, I want a written apology on my letter for you doubting me that McLaren were not going to be as bad as thought because they cashed in with the heist of the century this year. They're fifth in the world constructors they cashed in. They cashed in because half the field crashed. And they didn't. So, so points to them. Points to them. But but I mean, where I laughed is that on the lap that Max went by Lewis, because Lewis was out of ERS and Max decided to uh, flex a bit. At the end of the first sector of the next lap, and, and he passed Lewis going into sector two. By the end of the first sector on the next lap, the gap was over two seconds. It's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Uh, it's, and the thing is, there is no downside to that pace besides maybe a bit of reliability. As it turns out, the drive shaft failure in Jetta was finger trouble. A screw came loose. It happens. One of them things. Yeah, finger trouble. Uh, a classic failure. Mm. But, I mean, we've been here before, Dre. Merit? On Merit, they can win every race this year. They can win every race this year and not even push. But Merit is only half the battle. I mean, we've, we've seen. I mean, we've literally just watched the race where the race director literally pulled a red out of his ass to try and stop him from winning. Call it what it is. <laughs> like, call it what it is. You, would, you are not pulling a red for any other reason than trying to see somebody else win cool am yeah, i wrong here which is exactly why that's the restart that max aced of course it was third time's a charm i just think half the cars on that grid had like a millimeter of clutch left by the end of a third standing restart oh yeah oh but, yeah. uh you know red bull and honda and their drivers have to continue executing sergio perez had an atrocious weekend and, and he cited it as it. breaking issues, but when Red Bull when Red Bull rebuilt the car, they couldn't find anything wrong with it. Um, it, it just it, it reeked of trying too hard to me because Max just had this almost a, an air of effortlessness about him, where he could just generate the lap time however he wanted to. So look, look, look what a fine! He was struggling to get his tires up to speed, then out of nowhere, final run, bam, finds half a second. Can't touch I him. Yeah, half a second, and all of the Mercedes hype train, which we'll talk to, uh, we'll talk to that effect uh, next section. Um, that all came to nothing. But we've seen. I mean, the MP. Ask the MP44. Weird shit happens in racing. Yeah, you could get collected in an incident trying to lap Nigel Mansell's injury replacement. What's up, John Louis Schlesser? How you doing? <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean. With it's going to take something catastrophic to happen to both cars, driver inflicted, reliability or otherwise, because Perez on a normal weekend will clean it up and he will win the race. Max, without reliability issues, could probably pass Sebastian Vettel on the all times wins list by the end of this year. That we shouldn't be possible given where tie, he is right he'll now. He'll tie Ayrton Senna at Monaco. We, we we could we could see Max Verstappen realistically with fifty plus wins as a three time world champion by November. What the fuck? Before his twenty seventh birthday. It's not the fact that I think they will. It's the possibility that they could run the table, which terrifies me. So yeah, it's on. It's feasible on merit. They will not be beaten this season unless something major goes wrong. Yeah, put a pin in this in case they suffer like a double DNF at Baku or something. Sure, yeah, it's going to take a double DNF. That's, that's where I'm Baku, looking at it. Sergio Perez's best track. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the track where they just the, the track where last year was arguably the death knell of Ferrari season. Hi, Ferrari. <laughs> the only man with multiple podiums in Baku, Sergio Perez. Um, that is a weird statistic. I know. I think I think Paris has got three of them, um, but yeah, he's um, the street fighter. He is the street fighter. Let's get into the next section here. And Fernando Alonso took some time out of his busy schedule of shit-eating grins um, <laughs> to take another thinly. <laughs> I said that a bit too well, didn't I? Um, <laughs> Line uh, delivery one hundred. Oh, thank you, sir. Um, to take another thinly veiled jab at his nemesis Mercedes during the race, he said, "Quote." 
if you read their comments, it seems they have a card that's out of Q3, but I don't think it's that bad. And I, I love that he said that with Carlos Sainz stood right next to him, and Sainz was like, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> he said, I have nothing to add, but I agree, uh, which I thought was just hilarious. Um, does he have a point? Because Lewis Hamilton did finish his race second on merit in Australia, no problem. Um, drove really well for what it's worth. Had a, a great day for Lewis. He was, was able to hold Alonso off, who arguably is in a quicker car. Um, Alonso, I would not say arguably at this point. I, I, I actually would, but we'll get into it. But um, you heard it here, but first, Cam Buckley, Mercedes promoter, shut your filthy mouth. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you, dirty boy. Um, my general vibe on this is that look. To be fair to Mercedes, they never said their car wasn't good enough to make Q3. Like, like Alonso is kind of exaggerating a little bit here, right? Like, they, yeah, it, they, they, yes, but Mercedes were acting like this was the proverbial end of the world. I was about to say, and this is one of the few safe spaces I can say this on the internet. Mercedes are the most melodramatic kumbaya motherfucking team I have ever seen on social media, and it is so goddamn cringe, it makes my eyeballs curl up into my skull sometimes. So like, no, like They are the definition of the world's smallest violin you, you play for them whenever they're struggling, because... Like, they are so quick to go with the win together, we lose together, kumbaya, my lord. You know, like. That's what happens when you play to that fan base. And it's what happens when, I mean, when they were just beating that ass in 2019 and 2020, they would be the first ones to put their hands up after beating the field by 30 seconds. Oh, no, we had a ton of problems that race. Our car was like, we were. The, the data was saying we were the third fastest team on merit. We don't know how we won, which really isn't promoting your product very well if you're Mercedes-Benz. No. Um, and I think that a lot of people who don't drink the uh, unpainted Kool-Aid really don't feel a lot of empathy for them now that they do have genuine problems with the car and they are no longer capable of winning a race on merit because they're not. No. I mean, this weekend was better. I think there are reasons for that. I think this track, this track helps their tire wear a bit because I think that's a genuine X factor that Aston has over them. Mm. This track somewhat neutralized that. It's a very smooth track. Merck's like it when, it when it's smoother. <laughs> much, much smoother. They can run the car a little bit lower. Their concept, as we've spoken at at length on the show, likes to be run as low as possible yep. when they can. Massively. But I, it doesn't feel like they took any real step forward towards the front. It feels more like this track neutralized Aston a bit with that tire wear and the fact that the Aston is a very draggy car. It makes great corner speed. It's very easy to drive. It's very kind, it's very kind on its tires. But it, it pays that due in efficiency. It is not an aero efficient car. Yeah, they will lose in a tenth and a half in sector two, which is basically just two corners. <laughs> the, the sector of Alex Albon before he threw it into the corner backwards. <laughs> Purples, Alex Albon, purple sector twos all day long. Rack them up. Um, yeah, like I think there's a lot. Like there is nothing that screams Mercedes to me more than going. This is one of our worst days in racing. To oh my god, look at the optimism in our camp in the space of a month. And two races, like it's just so melodramatic, and it's it, it makes me laugh sometimes how just tone deaf Mercedes can be uh, when when they're moaning about how bad their car is. When it's like, oh yeah, like we're terrible. Oh, and then Lewis Hamilton, a man has won a hundred and down. Yeah, Lewis Hamilton, a man has won hundred and three Grand Prix in his life, is beating his chest and going nuts over finishing second. In a race, he got his ass whipped by Max Verstappen until the standing restart bullshit started. It's hilarious. <laughs> hey, ain't nobody likes a winner while they're winning, but I'll tell you this. Um, Y'all hear the Total Wolf's going to fight Zach Brown? Bet bet the neighborhood on Total Wolf. <laughs> That's the man who the discerning housewives love. 
total wolf. Troy Hawk, the man who, like, that was the most creative way I've ever heard someone just say to another man, Daddy, than that right there. <laughs> That was beautiful. Stop done. making me laugh. It hurts. <laughs> I had surgery last week. <laughs> surgery on a Buckley? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like if you have not seen that video on F1 YouTube channel, do go out of your way. See, it is very funny. Um, this this describing Pierre Gasly as a creative explosion of cream. Um, is um, hey, <laughs> is is that how we're describing him flying into the wall at turn two? Um, depends on who you ask. Um, can you can you can you make cream of carbon fiber? Is that a soup? Um, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll try that out in the recipe. We'll see it on next year's version of Master Chef. You know, oh, yeah. Maybe we'll see it on later on this year's version of Bake Off. Oh my god. But this yeah, is the like the next it, arena that Total Wolf and Zach Brown are gonna fight in. I can't believe we're doing <laughs> F1 bo- team boss celebrity boxing. Winner takes on Gunther Steiner. NASCAR <laughs> <laughs> commentary legend, apparently. But yeah, I mean it, it, if you're if you're Ferrari, you wish you had the problems Mercedes did right now. Yeah, we we, we didn't even mention it in the script. We've got to mention them briefly here. Like I said, worst worst start to a season for them since we changed the scoring system in 2010. Um, Charles Leclerc slightly in fault for a lap one incident. Can't be too harsh on him for that one. Um, he just bounced himself out into the gravel and got beached there. Carlos yeah. Sainz, we we, could, we, we, we already could, talked about him. Yeah, drove well until that, which was a real shame. I think he actually was was going quite well and was doing well to stay with um, Alonso and Hamilton for the most part until the restart and then like i said gwyneth paltrow to the side pod um <laughs> um that was a shame um, yeah and, and, and was, th- was looking good for a podium until that point yeah and, and i think again i i think the fight between aston and mercedes is going to ebb and flow a bit between maybe faster more flowing tracks that might suit the mercedes a little bit better Mm. and the more technical stuff, which I think the Aston will see really. I think the Aston's going to be phenomenal at places like Monaco and Hungary, um, Spain especially, given the tire wear there. I, I think Aston's going to be a pretty unassailable second place. But that that image of Max driving by Lewis, that is the gap that Mercedes has to, uh, it has to deal with. That is not surmountable under these regulations right now. That's not this year. gap. That's everyone's gap. Mm, 100%. Just the struggle is real. Right. Because it was also a bit of a chaos race at the end, we had a bit of a jumbled order in certain places down the field. Who was your underdog hero of the day in this chaotic Australian Grand Prix? Are we going to all have, like, the same... You're answer? goddamn right we are, RJ. Yuki fucking Sonoda. Dude, you know, what's, you know what is really sad about this? It's like... Yuki's not scoring points. Well, he just scored his first point of the season through all of his Herculean efforts. He has one point to show for being the team leader at AlphaTauri. But the expectation was he needs to be scoring points on the regular. Whatever by the fact that AlphaTauri's car is kind of kind of terrible right it's now. Kind of the worst one in the field. Probably. Yeah, it, it might actually be. You know, like I said, McLaren, McLaren racing common success and all. Back to Yuki Sonoda, though. He could do all this stuff and it still may not matter because the top driver in Formula 2 right now is his, is his ready-made successor in Ayumu Iwasa. That and boy, nice. Nine, my boy, nice. And, I, and I'll <laughs> tell you what, yes, Rebel and Honda are going to be divorcing, but, like, you got to promote the hottest hand out of F2 if he wins the title, right? Surely. Uh, well, the thing is, you could you, you could do that. But there's another AlphaTauri driver that you could ditch to do that because it wasn't just that Yuki got his first point on the board and with his 11th places, he actually breaks the tiebreaker between them and Williams, which could be very important. That is given useful. how horrible the AlphaTauri is. And it could have been so much more, too. Before before they rolled back the results, Yuki Sonoda was fifth and he would have been fourth after the side penalty. Oh, My dude... It. My dude was one position off a podium before all that went down. 
That is but, the driver that I've been wanting to see, and he needs a better car around him. But the thing is, right, he destroyed his new floor, which is supposedly worth a quarter of a second a lap on in Friday practice. Mm-hmm. He was beating Nick DeVries' ass to the tune of nearly half a second a lap without the new floor. Nick had the new floor. Yeah, and he liked it too. Said and he liked it. He said it was a big improvement. Yeah, he's starting well for Nick DeVries. Nick oh. DeVries has been extra struggleicious, but Yuki Tsunoda, I mean, earlier in that race, leveraging that mighty Honda ERS. Dude was the dude, there was a Tsunoda train because nothing could pass him in a straight line, but he was so slow in the corners. I was watching that like hold, hold Yuki, hold. <laughs> this, is what puts, this is what happens when you put all of your all of your attack stats in, and you put them all into defense instead. <laughs> I'm just he's like Drasil from the from from the Beyblade series. I'm just gonna build my entire shit around defense. Oh dear, it's but, uh, it, n- no one. To my to my opinion, has deserved a point more than him this year. Hundred percent, and it basically doesn't even matter because McLaren got both cars in the points through the chaos. They got twelve points. Twelve. They got twelve points. They leapt up to fifth in the constructors' standings. McLaren racing comet success. They're only one position behind Ferrari in the. Because wait, what do you mean Ferrari's having their worst year in over a decade? Oh. Someone save Fred Vassa. Save him. He doesn't deserve Charles, this. Charles Leclerc, is, he, he has got to just be in his room screaming primordially. He is he is literally on the bed, like, like next to his bed, on the floor, in the fetal position, rocking up in like back and forth saying, Mama's little baby love shortening, shortening. <laughs> um, like, my man is going through it. I mean, McLaren jumped Alpine with that because obviously both Alpines ended up strewn across the Australian countryside. (laughs) Um, And they, despite Hulkenberg getting points, they jumped Haas as well. Given Uh, the fight we've talked about for anyone getting into the points, McLaren might have just BSed their way into a half-decent constructor's result with the ninth-worst car, with like the second-to-worst car on the entire grid. Oscar Piastri's first ever single seater race in his home country, and he gets eighth. Like, huge dub. Like, Lando Norris was sixth in the end. Uh, imagine if you're Nico Hulkenberg and the Haas team. Hulkenberg drove brilliantly this race, by the way. Like, seventh place on the day. Like, I was, was desperately trying to hold off Lando Norris and couldn't do it at the end of the race. But seventh, imagine that. You've brought home six points for Haas. Brilliant result to get back to the garage with, and you're in a McLaren sandwich and they've brought home 12. So what's the point? Why are we even here? <laughs> Fuck this. Say nothing of Alfa Romeo, because Valtteri Bottas looked cooked this weekend. He, a he, bad weekend for the Australian hero. He was cheeks, and at least Joe got in the points. Like, Joe got, again, Joe got two points for ninth, and it just didn't matter. <sighs> and that car is cheeks. Ugh. I'm worried that Joe Juan Yu is going to have what happened to Antonio Giovinazzi happen to him. It's like he gets better, but the car gets worse, and they just don't want to keep him anymore. And then Porsche, really hope it's and not. then Porsche nicks his seat. <laughs> if I if I'm Sauber, I'm like Bottas has had two really rough weekends, or even factoring in the floor damage in Jetta, he's been amazing. First race in Bahrain, and then just mega cheeks the set, the next two races, right? Right, Al- Alfa Romeo, low key, really not that good right now. No, I mean Andreas Seidel has basically put the feeler out to Audi of please invest in us. We need people. Yeah, I got that from from mates in in the Slack who work for our sister site. That yeah, you know, Seidel's apparently gone to the back and like we need more money. Like we need money now for, to Audi because we are struggling. It, he said straight up, allegedly that. The team is not big enough to be a, a contending team. So, Alfa Romeo is going through it right now, and yeah, the bar fight at the back of the field will continue. And that was a and uh, McLaren went and got the chair. Um, that's a big twelve points for for McLaren to take full advantage of Alpine's failure. So, uh, yeah, this race. I can't say it was dreadful. I can't even say it was bad, but I'm not sure how many times the sport's going to keep getting away with that one. We'll be back 
uh, Formula One in a month's time because they're taking three weeks off. They'll be back on April 30th in Baku. Um, and it's a sprint weekend, so uh, good luck with that one. <sighs> yeah. The race finished like this, and the next racing action we get to see in Formula One is the Baku sprint. God, oh, help. let's go. In, in, the, in, in, in the words of Sarah's Victoria from Helsing Ultimate Abridged, God save the Queen. Um, <laughs> because uh, that is going to be rough. We've got two more episodes coming out in the next week or so, because next up will be MotoGP in Argentina. Um, because uh, if you're a fan of the Happy Mondays, it's time for Bez. <laughs> like Marco Bezzecchi. MotoGP Championship leader. Who would have guessed that back in February after two rounds? Anyone? Pe- I just look at Peko Banyaya and I just ask, why are you like this? <laughs> why? Just, why are you the these, way that you are? I look at these results and I think this is all part of the VR46 master plan. It, it, it's all coming up Millhouse, Fuccio and the boys. Uh, more on that later this week. And then we've got IndyCar as well for the 375 at Texas. And what a race that was. My word. Joseph Newgarden and Alex Polo and, and, and Pato Award beating the ever-loving shit out of each other. Good stuff. Good racing. We love to see. In Texas, we had a great race in Texas. That in the, that in itself is worth talking about. Well, we're going to gush over that later this week. So, yeah, a plenty of great content to keep you busy for the next week or so. Places where you can find us one more time. Twitter, motorsport underscore 101, at Dre underscore WTF1, at cbuckley917, at RJ O'Connell. Uh, website, motorsport101. Bonus thoughts from from all three races this weekend uh, will be on there by the time this goes out um also again patreon.com forward slash motorsport 101 back us there for early access to shows um and as well as supporters club of our discord server that will be fun indeed i said we'll be back for, for Moto gp real soon until then i've been dre harrison they've been cam buckley and rj o'connor thank you very much for listening see ya sign out later y'all I don't need green white checkers in my Formula One. But do you need Ross Chastain turning someone? Uh, no, he already did that to Schumacher and Damon Hill in 94. God damn it.